Hello, Pittsburgh Penguins fans. Happy Wednesday. Yes, my five-game losing streak at Penguins games came to an end on Tuesday. I'm going to be blaming my girlfriend, Ashley, for that. It was her first game. She's 0-1. My overall record now, 5-3, was 5-2. What can you do? Hopefully, I'll be going to a lot more games once I finalize this move to Pittsburgh, which it's about 99.99999%. But that's a discussion for another day. For today's episode, I was joined by Seth Topol of Locked on Wild to do, I guess, a little bit of a recap of that game against Toronto, but also look forward for the Penguins as they will play the Minnesota Wild in Minnesota on Thursday night. So a nice little crossover episode for you all. It's all coming up right after this drop. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome into a special crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins, part of the Locked on Sports Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making both Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins your first listen each and every day. Just a reminder, you can find both shows on your favorite podcast platforms absolutely free of charge. On today's episode, we take a look at why the Wild and the Penguins are off to uneven starts so far this season. We'll check in on a couple of players who have Minnesota ties, and we'll get to the bottom of some of the problems the Wild have had so far this season as we preview the game between the Wild and the Penguins. My name is Seth Topol, your daily Minnesota Wild insider, joined today by Hunter Hodes of Locked on Penguins. Hunter, two teams that in just talking before we hit record, two teams that seem to be uh, having similar issues so far to start the season. So let's uh, let's just talk a little Penguins to start. Uh, what have been the biggest culprits for the Penguins getting off to, by their standards, a slow start this year? Yeah, I mean, they before this Really bad streak, 4-0-1 to start the season. Things were looking really up. And then all of a sudden, you lose seven games in a row. You win a couple. Looks like you may be getting back to the way things used to be. And then you've lost two in a row. And, you know, the goal that it feels like it's been forever since they've gotten at least league average goaltending um, during those couple wins. Casey Smith played well. But, you know, outside of that, it just hasn't really been – the same, it feels like these last nine or ten games, they've just been a one-line team. Evgeny Malkin and Jason Zucker, former Minnesota Wild player, of course, um, they've been on a tear this season. Funny, Seth, you know, for your Wild listeners, Jason Zucker's at a point-per-game pace this year. Probably This is probably the best I've seen him play since he's become a Penguin since the trade happened. So um, he, he works his tail off every shift. I'm really happy with how he's doing. Um, outside of that, you know, you got the Crosby line, which is usually one of the best in the league. They have stunk it up the past uh, seven to ten games. It looks like they're finally moving Brian Russ down to play with Malkin again and moving Ricard Raquel up to play with Sid, and that's the right move. You know, I think Raquel is a better fit with Gensel and Crosby. And then outside of that, when you have the bottom six not producing, it gets ugly. Josh Archibald's had a few goals this year. Okay, Brock McGinn's had three goals in his last four games. Okay, but other than that, no one else is scoring down there. Jeff Carter is getting paid to basically do absolutely nothing. Kisbury Kappen is getting $3.2 million, just sit in the press box at this point. Danton Heinen hasn't done anything since NOM. 
Ryan Paling hasn't done a lot lately. It, they just got Teddy Bluger back, which is good. You know, I, I believe against the Maple Leafs when he was on the ice, the Penguins had 90, about 80 to 90% of the expected goal share. You know, he's one of their best uh, bottom six players. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully he'll be able to stay healthy for the rest of the season. But there's just the forward depth is not good right now. And defensively, you know, <sighs> Brian Dumoulin hasn't been that good. Chris Letang, who you know I love very much, been one of the best defensemen in the league for numerous years. He's off to a really rocky start this season. It's probably the worst stretch of ho- stretch of hockey I think I've seen him play in his career. And Jeff Petrie's been up and down. And you know you combine all that together, and this is what you have—just a middling team that right now, it lo- you know, if the playoffs were to start today, they would miss it, and it wouldn't even be close. So, you know, there's just a lot of issues plaguing them right now. I didn't even go into the power play and how bad that is. The PK at least has been able to round it out a little bit, but, you know, it's it's not fun watching them when one line, it looks like, is actually trying, and the other three are just really not doing anything at all. Wow. I, um, I get deja vu, um, because I feel like I've been talking about those exact types of things for 95% of what you said. And so uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit. I do want to talk a little bit about Zucker. You mentioned him being on an absolutely torrid pace. Is it as simple for Zucker as he's finally healthy? I know he has dealt with some injuries over the past few seasons. Uh, is that just kind of the the simple formula at this point that he is at this point in the season healthy and therefore able to fully produce? Yeah, I think that has a big thing to do with it. I mean, in the playoffs last year, he played very well. But, you know, from what I was told, he had a torn groin and he barely could even stand on the bench. Uh, he was gutting it out. And, you know, he missed over half the season last year. But when he was playing, he was good. And this year, he survived, I think, at least one injury scare so far. Knock on wood, he doesn't have another. Um, and so far, he's been one of the team's leading goal scorers. He's one of the team leaders in points. And, He's, I, I think he's arguably their best four checker. And you see that on a nightly basis. You know, the, the, the way he has played this season, Seth, that is what they, they thought they were getting when they acquired him a few years ago. He is worth that 5.5 million cap hit so far this season. And he's a great fit with Malkin. Has that great shot, great pass, good defensively in his own zone, can recover pucks on the dump in. He, he's doing everything for them right now. He actually looks like one of the, I mean, he definitely looks like one of the players who just tries his tail off every single shift. And, you know, it's, it's no wonder that he and Malkin work so well together. So I I do really think it's health. I said, coming into this year, I think he was going to score 20 to 25. He's definitely on pace for that. Um, He's and right now. I don't think anyone said this coming in the season, but if he continues this, you know, I would love to bring him back because he he's been that good. And he's been outside of probably, I guess, you know, Malkin, Gensel's been decently consistent. Sid hasn't been that good lately, but I'm not really concerned about him because it's Sidney Crosby. Um, he's been one of their most reliable forwards this season. So at this point in the season, and I ask this because the Wild are in a similar spot, is there is there panic? Is it a situation that you just hope is going to kind of figure itself out? Or are there some underlying things that are causing some concern that this might not be a situation that can be fixed. I'm not panic. I'm not at the panic button yet. I'm getting close just because these, you know, the, the effort lately is just, it's not there. Um, and I get it. It's been November. Teams are out of the playoffs sometimes in December. They go on and make the playoffs. But, you know, the Metro 
you know, I'll say it, it, it's a bit better of a division this year. Obviously, the New Jersey Devils are playing really good. The Islanders are off to a decent – and Philadelphia's come crashing down a little bit. I knew that wasn't going to st- uh, stand. The Rangers aren't off to that good of a start either. You know, Washington's kind of – end, but, you know, there are some teams this season, again, like the Devils and Islanders, who, you know, they're playing decent hockey right now, especially when it comes to the Devils. But, you know, they're going to have to really start stringing some wins together soon. I understand 13 of their first 19 are on the road, but, you know, you can't just keep sleepwalking through these games. You know, I think part of this has to do with the roster construction. I thought Ron Hexall did a great job bringing back the core pieces. After that, though, I wasn't really a big fan of what he did with the bottom six. I think he's made it worse since he's come uh, in for Jim Rutherford, and I just, I just don't think he did enough to give the Penguins – four reliable scoring lines. They get very late Ray Shiro, Dan Bilesma vibes when it comes to the bottom six, when you see them trotting out like back then, for example, Craig Adams, Tanner Glass, Joe Vitale, you know, right now you got Kapanen, Jeff Carter, you know, some, even Ryan Paling, who, I mean, he's fine, but he, he, I mean, he was decent against Toronto, but still he's just not producing. And, you know, you want, you need your bottom six players to, be able to score when your stars are down. Like, for example, Sid, not in his game right now. This is probably one of the worst stretches of hockey I've seen him play, but they're not getting the depth scoring. They're relying on the top two lines to really carry them, and that's just that's not how you win in today's NHL. So, you know, I'm not panicked yet. I, am I concerned? Yes, especially when it comes to the special teams and the five-on-five play and the defense and everything. But, you know, I, I still think they have a potential long winning streak in them, but – the time is now, you know, you're playing some teams coming up who have struggled this season. Chicago's not good. They have them coming up. Obviously Minnesota has a lot of talent, but they also haven't been that good to start the season. You have Winnipeg who is off to a decent start, but I don't really think they're that. I don't think their record really matches who they are just because I think they're going to come crashing down. I think a lot of that has to do with Connor Hellebuck. They're going to have a lot more home games in the month of December, which is big, but you know, it's, we're getting down to, the time where you got to start banking points because you don't want to be way too far behind once Thanksgiving comes. Usually that's like, it feels weird, right? It's that's like the cutoff date where a lot of teams, if you're in the playoffs at that point, you usually make it, you know, some teams are able to come back at that point, but it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to make up ground. Penguins, these next, you know, this next week, week and a half, this is big. You know, they, they need to really start stringing some wins together here and getting themselves out of this rut and just getting back to the way they played in the first five games of the season. All right, before we get back to today's really fun discussion with Seth Topol of Locked on Wild, can we pause the podcast for a second? All right, we're paused. Okay, so there's white chocolate peppermint granola. That's Bilt's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty, and candy cane brownie puff. Built Puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. They're revolutionizing nutrition, as we know, with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories. Actually, it's only 130 calories. Just sink your teeth into that first bite, and it'll change your life forever. You're probably wondering which new flavor is my favorite. Well, that's kind of an unanswerable question, to say the least. They're all unbelievable and they're all different so you can order a mixed box if you want and try all flavors for yourself that you can get 15 percent off your order right now and get all those flavors by using the code locked on 15 at built.com that is the code locked on 15 at built.com 
Let's um let's flip to the wild because there's a lot going on with uh, Minnesota and obviously some big news that came down the pipe yesterday in regards to a former Penguin, Marc-Andre Fleury. And so uh, we'll discuss all of that as we continue today's crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins after this. Continuing today's special crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins, thank you for making both Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, make sure you check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast. The biggest sports, the biggest games, the biggest talkers all in one place at Locked on Sports Today. You can find it on your favorite podcast platforms absolutely free of charge. So we talked about some of the things that have been going right and or wrong for the Pittsburgh Penguins so far. Uh, let's flip and let's uh, try to get to the bottom of the uh, the wild as well. And so, Hunter, I'll uh, turn it over to you. Yeah, Seth, you know, this was a team that I had probably top three in the Central coming into the season. I know they had the cap recaptures, if I'm not mistaken, with Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. And it, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, Seth, if that, if I recall correctly. those I know, I know the CBA before that was really weird with that stuff, and yeah. I think they're about to feel the effects big time. They, they had it a little bit this year, but I think they're really going to get it um, next year. And I think that's part of the reason why they had to trade Kevin Fiala to the Los Angeles Kings. You know, and you look at this team, it, they shouldn't be – where they are in the standings right now, you know, fourth in the central. Okay. That's fine. You're three points behind Winnipeg. You're seven and seven and two you're at 500, but you're also kind of not your seven and nine with um, the overtime losses counting as regular losses. But you know, what has really been the problem for the wild this season? Because, you know, Freddie Goudreau has really blossomed into a great player ever since he left, left Pittsburgh. Heck he's their top line center from what I recall. I obviously love watching Kirill Kaprizov. He's incredible. Matt Zuccarello has hit a renaissance since coming over from New York and Dallas. Matthew Boldy's awesome. I love seeing Marco Rossi out there playing. Just what has been the the main problems for Minnesota so far? You know, it's funny because if you took the first three games of the season, you'd say it was the defense and the goaltending, hands down. And I would fully agree. Ever since, uh, it has been the offense. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, who for uh, for Pittsburgh pan, uh, fans that were hoping to get a chance to see him in tonight's game, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was put on injured reserve, and uh, so he's going to be out for a while. It's an upper body injury. Uh, he was not at practice on Wednesday, uh, which kind of led Wild Media to a little bit of a panic because he has been the single constant driving force for this team from a consistency level. Yeah, the first four periods of the season for him were not good, but he had a stretch over his last three starts in which he gave up three total goals in his last three starts. Three total goals. He stopped 80 of 83 shots, and he went one and two. And I'm not talking overtime losses. I'm not talking shootout losses. I'm talking regulation losses because this team cannot buy a goal right now. The loss of Kevin Fiala was a big one and something that you know I had said is not going to be something easily replaceable, but Bill Guerin was banking on 
Matt Boldy being able to step up his production, Marco Rossi being able to fill kind of the Matt Boldy production level, and everybody to just give a performance that was similar to what they did this past season. None of that has happened. Uh, the secondary scoring from Ryan Hartman, Jewel Erickson Eck, Marcus Felino is has I think they have combined for I think seven goals so far total. That's weird because Hartman was awesome last year. Hartman was phenomenal last year, and especially because it took Kirill Kaprizov a little while to get going in the goals department. Ryan Hartman had 14 goals through the first 22 games of the season. And he did not have, he had, I think, one goal before he got hurt. He's on injured reserve, and he's going to miss some time with an upper body injury himself. So that production is gone. Jewel Eriksson has four goals so far this season. He had 26 last year. Marcus Felino had 22 last year. He has one this year. The Wild defense routinely known for stepping up into the play to help out offensively, have been so preoccupied with defense that there are combined amongst the six defensemen two wild goals by defensemen so far this season. It's just every source outside of Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, and Matt Boldy that provided goals last year has evaporated. And so they can't get a goal at this point. It is just incredibly hard to put goals on the board because as an opponent, as an opposing team, you just throw all your pressure at Kaprizov, Zuccarello, and Boldy. If you can get those three to not beat you, you're in good shape. And the one player that was kind of helping them bide their time until they got the offense figured out, now is on injured reserve. And so you're in a situation with this wild club that they have to figure it out offensively, and they have to do it right now because Philip Gustafson has been good in his uh, his last couple of starts, but he is not Marc-Andre Fleury. And so this team is just kind of standing at an intersection right now and they either got to figure it out or this is going to be a very long end to the month. And this is a seven-game homestand that uh, could end up being very dicey uh, without some offense. Yeah, I mean, usually when you, you play a team like the Wild, defensively, you all know what they're known for. You know, great with shot suppression, expected goals against. I mean, when you have a decor that has Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, Matt Dumba, Jacob Middleton – those players, they can they can produce offense, but they're also very well known for their defense. And you know, Philip Gustafson, also former Penguin, uh, he was in the Derek Brassard trade almost four years ago at this point. It'll be five in short order. So, you know, just is it really just it comes down to goals for them? Because again, you know, I, I look at their lineup, Seth, and. You know, it's a deep forward group. Joel Erickson is down there. You know, Sam Steele, Marcus Foligno's up there. Marco, again, Marco Rossi's really making his big debut this season. And, you know, I'm really glad that he's healthy after all that, the situation that he went through. Yeah. Um, but 
is there also like a sense of panic within the wild fandom that this is just not going the way everyone thought it was? Is, is Dean Evason, is he on the, is Dean Evason on the hot seat or anything? I don't get the sense that Dean is on the hot seat, but there definitely is a rising of the temperature amongst wild fans and largely so the common refrain that I've seen, um, especially this week and the end of last week as well is what did you expect? Like you get rid of, an 85 point player and your offense struggles because you are banking on a bunch of guys who had career seasons doing it again. That's a, that's a dicey call, but I think it stems from uh, mistakes that were made before Bill Guerin got here and the Zach Parise, Ryan Suter contracts. Absolutely the right call to buy those players out because of where they were at on the ice, where they're at off the ice. There's a price to be paid for kind of the desperation of where the Wild were at when they signed Parisian Suter. Is that on the back end of those contracts that Bill was going to come due? And uh, unfortunately, Garen was the one that had to dig his hands into the mud and uh, and try to clean it up. And you know now you're looking at situations where I've tried to kind of crystallize it down to you were either going to keep Kevin Fiala or you were going to sign Matt Boldy to an extension after this season is done because he is going to be due for an yeah. extension himself. So there just is a lot that's going going wrong right now. And uh, I can I actually crowdsource this out to, uh, to fans on Twitter trying to get a sense of what they feel is the biggest problem offensively right now. Um, no line chemistry really at all, uh, save for the Kaprizov line. Um, save for Kirill Kaprizov, there are a few players that really can get the puck into the zone cleanly. Um, high danger scoring opportunities. A lot of the shots are coming from the top of the zone. And at that point, you are giving a goalie a lot of just wide open lanes to view those shots. And so it's you're making you're you're giving a goalie an opportunity to just make the routine saves, but you are relying on a lot of those as your shots. And so it's all of this coming together at once and it's leading to a team that just has to work so hard to even get one goal across. They're I believe dead last in the NHL in five uh, five on five goals. Uh, so far this season, which after what they did last year, they were one of the best teams in the NHL. And so mm-hmm. it just, it is a bizarre world version of this team. And um, fans are frustrated. I'm frustrated. But at the same time, it's like this, this, this group is just going to have to figure it out because there really isn't anybody, um, there really isn't anybody down in Iowa that is going to be an immediate fix and, I don't know what you're going to get from the trade market to uh, try to bring somebody in to uh, inject some life into this mix. Yeah, I mean, wow. I mean, that's very similar, I think, to how a lot of Penguins fans are feeling. Like, you know, Ron Hextall obviously made his bet in the offseason with some acquisitions and some signings that, you know, questionable at the time. Some uh, There was a, obviously the Carter extension last season was also very questionable. I think he's seeing all of these things right now. And when you have a team that has – not even 300 K in salary cap space. He really can't do much to on the trade market. And 
Same thing with the Wild for the Penguins, Seth. They don't really have a lot of people down in, the, in their farm system right now that can come up and make a difference. I'm sure they would love to have Ty Smith up there, especially because they traded John Marino for him and he had a scorching hot start in New Jersey, though he's tailed off a little bit if you look at the numbers. But they can't even have him up just because of their salary cap situation. So it's just the, the guys who are on the team right now, like just much like the Wild, they're going to have to claw their way out of mm-hmm. this. And they're going to have to pick up the general manager's mess um, at least from a Penguins perspective, and you know, r- really push it forward. You know, I, I was going to end with this. You know, did you see Billy Guerin getting aggressive soon? But you know, w- with a trade, but also with this lack of salary cap space and and the future, Seth, with those cap recaptures, which are going to get worse before they get better. You know, I don't know if he has enough room to do something. Yeah, I just I. It's hard to say at this point because the the Wild do have some salary cap space right now, but considering what they will be dealing with for the next couple of seasons, it's appealing to just hang on to that and not do anything with it. Um, Bill Guerin's been pretty clear, and this happens uh, before the Wild went on the road to start the season after they started the year um, in a really just a rough start to the year. He said it's on this group to be better. He said, we just collectively have to be better. We have to play the brand of hockey that we set out to play when we were starting the season. And we saw that for a little bit, and now things have kind of regressed once again. And so... Ron Hexall said, too, fun enough. Yeah, it's just he is is leaving it to this group to figure it out. Because if this group doesn't figure it out, then I think we're going to see this team take a step back to maneuver through the biggest years of the uh, the dead cap hits. And then at that point, you haven't if you do this correctly, you haven't tied yourself to any sort of free agent contracts that that blow up in your face. You haven't gone out and tried to sign Nick Delorier to a four-year deal to where you go the route that Philly did and you just have you've committed, you know, as much money as they did to him. It's not a lot, but at the same time, you're doing that for a fourth line guy. So he has navigated through these last couple of seasons without making big commitments in free agency. And so once the team is through the worst of the uh, the dead cap, when it goes down to I think combined, it gets back to like one and a half million total. Once it gets to that point, you have pieces in place. You also have like $14 million in cap money that is just there right right away. That can make a big difference. And so this team, he's going to give this team as much opportunity as possible to fight through this, but it's it's a tough proposition going into it because of what they're dealing with on the back end. Yeah, I mean, I know the Penguins, they don't have it any cap recaptures themselves, but, you know, they do have some dead cap with Jack Johnson's buyout. You know, they're paying money, to, again, to square Kapanen. He's not even playing right now. That's $3.2 million. Jeff Carter's getting about $3 million. He's not really doing that much. So that's like seven, almost $8 million right there where, you know, you can get a decent impact winger, get another center in there potentially that can really make a difference. And, you know, it's just, it's just those kind of decisions, you know, at, t- at the time, they don't look that bad. But, you know, when you really look back and you look at it in the vacuum, you're just, 
you're paying some players and, and they're just wasting their cap away. And it's just, it's making the team, you know, worse, I think in the short term and the long term. And if the Penguins continue this as well, you know, I think they, they may take a step, a step back too. Um, Seth, if you have anything more on the wild you want to get into, we can, um, otherwise we can just jump right into just, you know, breaking this matchup down. Yeah, I think we'll, I think we can hop in, uh, to just talking about this game in general, um, Plenty more that uh, that Penguins listeners and Wild listeners can find. Uh, did another episode breaking down the Mark Andre Fleury situation and just kind of where things are at right now. So um, I'll let that kind of speak for itself. And yeah, let's let's dive into this matchup between the uh, the Wild and the Penguins. We'll do that when we finish today's crossover episode of Locked On Wild and Locked On Penguins. After this. Final segment of today's crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins. Once again, thanks for making both shows your first listen each and every day. Seth Topol joined by Hunter Honies. Hunter, in looking at this matchup between the Wild and the Penguins, what is coming in? Well, let's, talk about the, uh, let's talk about the Penguins' power play because I can bounce off of that and talk about the Wild's power play myself. What is the biggest concern with that unit at this point in the season? How long do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In all seriousness, uh, I could write a freaking 200 page novel on it. I could probably sit here and talk for two hours about it. Um, I think the biggest concern, I mean, outside of just not scoring, they look lethargic. The zone entries are disgustingly bad. It just, it, it takes way too much effort for them to enter the zone. I see the great power plays like Colorado, for example, their zone entries are flawless. Like they get in, they set it up, they go to work, put pucks to the net, create traffic, they score. Penguins don't do any of that. Like it takes them forever to get into the zone. They do that stupid drop pass um, behind in their own zone. It just screws everything up. And then once they get in the zone, they turn the puck over in basically not even five seconds and it's just going the other way. And then shorthanded chances um, are, are, are created, excuse me. It's almost like the second unit right now is better than the first unit. And that shouldn't be the case when you can throw out Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Brian Rust. I mean, that unit should be one of the best in the league. And it's crazy that they're not. You know, they started off the season pretty well. They were top five in the league in power play percentage. Since then, they've been in the bottom third of the league. They're not getting the puck in the zone, which means they can't set up their power play. And even when it is set up, it's just they're overpassing. Chris Tang is not taking enough shots from the point. It took him until about game nine or game 10 just to get his first shot from the point. And usually he's much more shot happy from there where he can create traffic and all that. He's a, a great power play quarterback when he's on, but I think he's just been way too tepid of getting Malkin. He's starting to shoot the puck a little bit more, but you know, at times I kind of wish, you know, they just try not to Harlem Globetrotter. It, they, they always they, they always look for the perfect play once they get set up in the zone. They want to wow everyone just because of all the skill. But, you know, you just got to get back to basics. And they just haven't been doing that for a lot of this season. I just – I don't know what they practice on the power play. <laughs> it's, they surely don't practice the zone. They obviously pass way too much still. And when the puck do, goes does get to the net, it gets swallowed up. The, the net front traffic is really terrible. And – I think that's a big area where they miss a prime Patrick Hornquist who can clean up the garbage. 
Jake Ensel's good in front of the net. Don't get me wrong. I think he's great. But, you know, compared to a prime Patrick Hornquist, it's just, it's not the same. And I think at this point, Brian Russ is just not doing anything on that unit. And at 5v5, I would potentially look to replace him with someone like Ricard Raquel. And, you know, again, when the second unit comes out there, they're the ones that actually look competent. They're they're getting into the zone quick. They're putting pucks in the net. Jeff Petrie has a booming shot from the point. And usually his numbers on the power play aren't that good. This season so far, they've been better than when they were in Montreal. They just they seem to have a much more trigger happy, I guess, presence if you want to call it that, compared to the first unit where um, it feels like they're just skating in mud and not doing anything. It's something that needs to change um, in fact because the penalty kill is also bad. They seem to have cleaned that up at least, but the power play, it's 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 terrible. You know, it's funny because you talk about the uh, second unit for the Penguins being the one that's kind of driving things there. Uh, it's the opposite for the Wild in that the pretty much all of these success power play-wise at the beginning of the season was directly because of the top power play unit. And it was good to start the season, but it has really tailed off substantially because we're seeing the same things that are causing issues just in even strength goals. We're seeing that on the power play as well in that uh, zone entries are a big problem. Um, it's it, it just it seems like it all just kind of fell apart at once, and that has led to a, a couple of big shakeups in that Matt Boldy now has been moved off of the top power play unit. Freddie Goudreau is on the top power play unit in his place, and Matt Boldy is down to power play two. Um, I, I get it, but I think I'm worried that we're going into the same sort of thing that we did last year that didn't work in that, Hey, we're just going to put an entire line out here and try to kind of replicate that success as opposed to, um, as opposed to treating it like an actual power play. Like they did that where they just would have all five players, three forwards and two defensemen and just say, hey, here's your top power play unit. Just act like it's even strength. And it's, yeah, if it works, that's okay, but it hasn't been working. So power play could be a uh, a, a point of, uh, of concern for both teams in this game. Um, Goalie-wise, what's your confidence level right now in uh, whichever Penguins goalie ends up uh, hopping in the net? Yeah, I mean, they got to figure that out. You know, I've always said this team can win with average goaltending, but for the last several games, they just haven't gotten it. I mean, DeSmith was good against Toronto, good against Washington, and then against the Maple Leafs last night, you know, wasn't that good. Tristan Jari, he's been playing a bit hurt. He even admitted to the media that he's been battling something. But at that point, you know, if you're playing hurt, you know, just call up Dustin Tokarski or Philip Lindbergh or something like that down from Wilkes-Barre, um, they're going to need one of these guys to take the net and run with it. You know, I was very high on Tristan coming into the season. I thought he, I said he was going to be a Vesna finalist. I thought he was going to have one heck of a year. He started out great, 940 save percentage. Since then, though, just hasn't been the same goalie that we saw last year. Part of it could be due to an injury. Casey Smith, he is what he is. He's a backup goaltender. He's not going to start you 50 games <laughs> during a season. So they're going to need one of these goaltenders to really start stringing together some strong starts. Um, it just it feels it feels like it's been a millennia at this point since they've gotten consistent at least league average goaltending. Um, again, they had it for a couple of games when they won, 
But then these last two just reverted back to the same stuff during the seven-game losing streak where they're just not getting good goaltending and they're also running into some really solid goaltending. Because during that losing streak, they were playing good enough to win a lot of those games. They were just, A, not getting the saves, and B, they were just running into goalies who decided to play like God against them for some reason, like Martin Jones, for example, twice. He's a career backup but wants to play like a prime Dominic Hasek against the Penguins. So, you know, my confidence level, it's definitely not high. I guess it's maybe below medium right now. They just, they need one, preferably Tristan Jari, if he's more healthy now, to go in and take the net and just string together some strong starts. Because if, if, he, if one is able to do that, and the Penguins are able to get some of their goal scoring back, you know, they can win a lot of games and get back into playoff contention. So um, hopefully that does start against Minnesota, but am I confident in it? You know, I, I, I don't really know. <laughs> um, before we move to our prediction for the game, I'll just say that the Wild now with Marc-Andre Fleury being out are going to need Philip Gustafson to take the lead, I think. And like I said, his last two starts have been good. He has uh, He's given the team all you could expect of a starting goaltender, and he has given them above, you know, what as you had alluded to, just kind of that good enough goaltending to win. He has, he has beaten that over the last couple of starts against Detroit when the Wild lost 2-1, to one, and uh, in his most recent start against the Anaheim Ducks in which the Wild won 4-1. to one. So if he can be at that level and just be steady, just be steady, just be consistent, because at this point the Wild have such a small margin for error offensively that if you allow things to snowball, kind of like what happened against Nashville where the Wild gave up two goals, back-to-back, feels like a backbreaker at this point. So he's probably not going to record a shutout, especially against this Penguins lineup. So if you give up one goal, that has to be it for a while. That has to be it for enough time for the team to catch their breath and get back to it. Because if one becomes two, becomes three, this team has not had... They've scored eight goals in their last six games. That's not going to cut it. So no. you got to figure it out. And if Gustafson can give them time to get something figured out line combo wise, that's going to go a long way. So we'll see what happens. Ultimately, Hunter, what uh, what do you think? What's your prediction for this matchup? Um, no, I do have a stat for you. The Penguins, they're 6-0 and 1 in their last seven against Minnesota. I mean, I, I love getting the... Stats from the Penguins PR team. I love being on that mailing list, and they they put together some good stuff. The Penguins got three out of the four points against Minnesota last. Honestly, that first game in Pittsburgh, they choked away that multi-goal lead in the third period. That was when I don't believe they lost that game in a shootout. Then they got some payback in overtime in Minnesota later in the season. It was enough getting Malkin winner. Um, you know, this is tough. I, I think it's going to be really close. Um, I, I do think overall the Penguins find a way to win it and get back in the win column, they, they, they need it badly. Um, they go to Winnipeg on Saturday. They head to Chicago on Sunday. They have a three games and four nights set here. Um, they need to get this off to a good start. And I see it as a very highly contested 3-2 game. I know the Wild, you said it, they've struggled to score at 5v5. I do think they will get at least a couple in this game. But I do think the Penguins, I think they're going to come out fired up in this one. I think Sidney Crosby's going to start taking some of these losses a bit personally and start to really up his game a little bit. And I do think they will come out um, and get the win. I'm trying to go absolute heel reverse jinx 
and so I hope it works. I'm going to say 4-1 Penguins, and I think there will be an empty netter. I think it will be 3-1 for a good majority of the game, and the Penguins get an empty netter to uh, to make it 4-1. So I hope hope that what I want to happen isn't that, but we'll have to see because – Goals. I hope I, I hope I didn't just reverse jinx them. I, I'm one and one <laughs> when I do these predictions, so I'm at 500. Hopefully, I don't. Know, if if they lose this one when I predict them to win, I think I'm just going to go reverse. I'm going to reverse jinx. Yeah. Every time. At, at some point, you just have to embrace the reverse jinx. So we'll see what happens. And of course, for fans, make sure you are following along to both Locked On Wild and Locked On Penguins for all of your favorite uh, information on your favorite hockey teams. You can uh, subscribe to both shows on YouTube, so make sure you do. Make sure you follow on your favorite podcast platforms. Both Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins are keeping you up to date with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked on Sports Podcast Network.